you want to know why this church loves to get together is because there's something in them that God has put there that's made all the difference in this world. Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster podcast. The following message is titled The Purpose of the Church and was spoken by Roland Baker. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 110 and 7, I want to borrow a small portion of this to bring to you what I feel appropriate for today. Not only do we honor the Kellers, but I want to honor this church and not only what it has been, but has already been said, Nathan, by you, what it's going to be. And I believe that as well. The scripture just simply says, he shall drink of the brook in the way. I want to talk to you about the purpose of the church, the purpose of the church. It's not enough to be here 25 years and celebrate if we have no purpose. We're not just here reminiscing. We're not just looking back and being nostalgic. Pastor, we've got a future. We're going somewhere. God has ordained a tomorrow in our lives. The real purpose of the church as I see it is to represent Christ and his cross to a lost and hurting world. That's the way I see it. The church is to bring together the earthly and the eternal. In fact, when Jesus said, where I am, there ye may be also, it tells me something about our relationship with him. God has something he wants me to be and something he wants me to do. Is there anyone that believes that today? You know, I believe he's telling his church that we can arrive at a place that's been ordained and designated by the Almighty for us. And sometimes, make no mistake, it may be a place that's dry. It may be a helpless place. It may seem like a hopeless place, a hurting place. But the truth is, in these places, we become a stream of water to quench, to satisfy the thirsty souls of humanity. That's who the church is. And John, it's recorded this way. If any man thirst, let him come, Jesus said unto me, and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly, from his very inner being, shall flow rivers, not a small tributary or an insignificant stream, but rivers of living water. Why? Because without water, there is no life. In fact, when you understand what the world needs is a church that's alive. We've had enough dead churches in our life. We need a church that is vibrant with the anointing, vibrant with the power, vibrant with purpose. Oh God, thank you for a church in Lancaster, Ohio that has a passion and it's alive. Oh, hallelujah. There's a world that's thirsty for life and they need to be able to come to a church and when they get here, they need to find a fountain of living water that's waiting for them to arrive. Oh, hallelujah. The psalmist in Psalm 110, hey, would you take a little journey with me? 
This is a little out of character maybe to what I usually do, but I, I feel to do this today. I want you to journey with me. Uh, the psalmist here in 110 is looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. And he draws a picture here of the week of suffering that's called the Passion Week. And I just want to pause and say that should never be remembered just one time in, in a year. We need to think about that every day when we rise and face a new day. It's the week of suffering for Jesus from the time he set his face toward Jerusalem to be crucified. It is pictured as a journey and he would go on this journey for the last time and it was an awful time of suffering in his life. It was to Gethsemane he would go and then he would go to Caiaphas court and there would be a mock trial there and then on to Pilate, to Herod, and back to Pilate again. And it was the scourging with the cat of nine tails. And just a point of reference, there was no limit to how many times they could lay that horrible thing on his back. Because you see, Isaiah said it like this. He says that he was beaten like no other, so much so that you could not tell he was even a human being. And then a cross is placed on his back and he's escorted to a place called Calvary. There was a crucifixion. There was shame and suffering of the cross. There was mocking by a crowd. There was a pulling of his beard. There was a crown of thorns and over and over again many other events that took place in this awful time of suffering in the life of Jesus. And it's all for one purpose and that one purpose is that mankind might be redeemed. It's the purpose of purchasing or buying back his most precious possession. I love the way it's recorded by the book of Romans chapter 5. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad he didn't wait till we got our act together? I'm glad he didn't wait until I cleaned myself up. But when I was in sin and darkness. He called me out. He drew me out into his marvelous light. I didn't wake up on a Sunday morning uh, and think it would be a good day to get saved. Not on your life. It wasn't my idea. It was his uh, and he's the one that wooed me to new life. He's the one that brought that thought into my being uh, and we're here today because God uh, has been a faithful God. Hallelujah. Don't you think for one minute that God is ending his purpose for this church. But watch those doors. There's loved ones getting ready to come through. Our sons and our daughters who are wayward. Our friends and our family members that have lost their way. Hey church, God's not finished with us yet. If I, can't, if I can't let you out on time, I at least keep you awake. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so it's here that we find this unusual statement that I, I read in part to you today in Psalm 110.7. He shall drink of the brook in the way. This brook or stream symbolizes something to us, church. 
It's the refreshing drink of water that man desires. It's a stream of fresh water. There's no fear of drinking from this fountain. It's pictured here in this peculiar scripture. And when you read closer, actually Psalm 110 is likened unto a king who has gone to battle. And he leads his troops on a very hot day. And the desert is arid and it's dry. And it's here now that he arrives at a most significant place in time. A refreshing stream is before them. And the king stoops and he puts his, his hand down into the water on this hot day and he tastes the refreshment of this particular stream. I love the way Moffat says it. He says he then charges forward and he's triumphant to victory. I've got news for you. When you drink of this fountain, it infuses your life in a way that nothing else in this world can compare to. You want to know why this church loves to get together? Is because there's something in them that God has put there that's made all the difference in this world. Oh, hallelujah. And so I wonder what this dream was in the life of Jesus, that that refreshed him, that little stream that runs across this week of suffering we talked about in his life. There's some scripture, and I'll hurry, when he writes to his son in the gospel, Timothy, and he says, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruit. And then to the Hebrews, he writes, he should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many souls unto glory to make the captain or the pioneer of their salvation. And then he pins to the church at Corinth and he says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. And when you look at it closely, it was all done for you and for me. And I thank God for that today. When you understand that this story is a story that has a beautiful truth that is woven through it. It's a time when everything seemed dark and all seemed gloomy. A time of shame and suffering as I mentioned just a moment ago. A time of forsaking. A time of agony. It was a wilderness in the life of Jesus and yet running through this week in his life in this week of passion is a stream of refreshing something lifted him something refreshed him something delighted him something caused him in his tiredness and weariness this thirsty traveler to be lifted above it all Jesus found a stream of refreshing. And so we ask the question this morning, what was it? What was this oasis that he stumbled into, that he found there that week in his life? Could it have been the hospitality or the home of Mary 
and Martha and Lazarus. You know, that's where he spent his last night before he was tried. They loved him so much and they cared for him. Maybe it's the refreshing stream of Mary Magdalene whose body was cast out seven devils and she stands by him when it seemed all others were to forsake him. And maybe it was that love and that devotion from that particular lady that became to Jesus a stream of refreshing. Or could it possibly be the thief that hanged there on the cross next to him and he hears the words, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I mean, after all, was not that the purpose or the reason for Calvary that sinners might be saved? And that that is what might be the purpose of it all. Or maybe when you stop and think about Peter cursing in the garden and Judas betraying him and the disciples fleeing his presence, could it be this refreshing stream is nothing more than that little handful of women who refused to leave his side and they tried to comfort him and they were loyal to him and stayed with him to the very end. The truth is the Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't reveal what it is. All we know is there was something or someone in this week of desperation and suffering that became a stream of refreshing in a arid place. It brought him what he needed in his hour of need. I've come to tell new life today and I feel it in my spirit. I want to celebrate on this Sunday our 25 years of sharing together with pastor. But church, your purpose is to be a stream of refreshing in a desolate and dry place. We're not just here for the social events and thank God for them. We're not here just to pretend that we're doing good, but God has put something in us that every day when we breathe a new breath, we step out into our calling and our purpose and become a stream of refreshing to those who... Because you see, the church represents the risen Savior. We can remember and we should of all the events that lead to it, but there's more than a crucifixion, there's a resurrection. Hallelujah. And it's that risen Savior that becomes living water to the lost. Maybe there's someone that you in particular may be thinking about or you know whose life is filled with problems. Life is filled with heartaches. Through the years I've told Brother Keller, Gee, you're a great pastor. Over and over again I've reminded him of that. And he's yet to this day to agree with me. But I, I don't think I know anyone that spends more time visiting in hospitals than this man right here. While a lot of preachers are trying to avoid the obvious, 
this man rolls up his sleeves and dives in it. Barbara, I don't think you're ever going to retire, hon. You know what I mean, new life. There's something in that girl that's a passion. She is a stream of fresh water. You know, there's some people that feel like life is not worth living at all, but I'm going to just say today, get ready. Because of this church and this leadership, God wants to give to this community a stream of refreshing. And it flows from the church. It emerges out of your very beings. Maybe it's as simple as a smile when no one else is smiling. Could it be nothing more than simply a pat on the back when really nobody knew that there was a need in your life? Could it be encouraging words from an encourager or a a helping hand in silent suffering or an I love you or maybe a sermon on Sunday. I don't know but God is wanting us his church. He's wanting to use you to cheer up somebody on their way. They're in a dry place an arid place but here comes this stream this brook this rushing living water into their lives. Oh thank God today for a Spirit-filled church. There ought to be a lot of churches willing to be that stream of refreshing for a desperate world in need. You know what folk don't need from the church is our insults, our ugly dispositions, I am. Our criticism, our slander, and God forbid our gossip. And maybe the last but not the least, our judgment. That's what they don't need. But I heard it repeated again and again. What the world needs is a church that's an encourager. There's a powerful passage that's recorded in Hebrews 10, Pastor, and it simply says, hold fast or firm the profession of your faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another. And I love this word he uses to provoke, incite, or stimulate. One another unto love and good works not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. And often we use that as our focus and really end it all there. But, but the next part of that scripture is what moves me. He said, and, and not forsaking together as the manner of some is, but here it is, exhorting. And that word exhorting means encouraging one another. And then he says so much more as you see the day approaching. We We've got to be that stream of refreshing in this troubled world and so much more as we see the day approaching. Folks, if there was ever the day for the church to be the church, it's today. If there was ever a day that we arrive at that place and purpose, it's today. Oh, hallelujah. The world needs to know if they've got problems. 
if they have troubles in their life, difficulties, heartaches, and all these things, if they have heavy hearts, if they have broken hearts, if they have unanswered questions, there's somewhere they can go when they're discouraged and when they're lonely. There's a stream in their world if they can just find it that's going to lift them, and it's called the church. It was the prophet Elijah, and he's living in a dry place. And God, as you know the story, provides a beautiful stream of life for him. It was a place called Kareth, and it was here that he thought flowed the source of life. But God says to him, eat and go. I want you to go to Zarephath. Now, folks, it really doesn't make a lot of sense when things are going well for God to disrupt all of that. Because Zarephath represented death. It was a dry place. But what he didn't understand is there was a divine appointment, a divine encounter that he had already planned for Elijah and a little widow lady there. He was getting ready to bless the both of them. Do you know something happens when a church rises to meet the needs of the hurting and the helpless? Everybody's blessed. We heard our sheriff today talk about uh, the, the church here and how it's had an effect on this county and this community. You want to know why? Because you've been a stream in a dry place. And so the point I'm making here is he thought that Kareth was the source of life. But the truth is, it wasn't Kareth, it was himself. You're the one, not the preacher. You're the one, not the board member. You're the one that God has lifted up in a dying world to be that refreshing drink of water of life. Amen. God never intended social programs to be our answer. God never intended government handouts to be our pursuit. David said it most beautifully when he said, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. If you're a believer and you've lived for God, you know what he's talking about. God's always on time. God's always faithful. And when uh, Israel faced that unmovable object, we call him a giant. They never did. He was Goliath. And they watched a young shepherd boy as he runs to meet that big warrior. And he puts his hand into a stream. And from it, he draws out five smooth stones, the Bible says. It was more than enough for the task uh, before him. So it doesn't matter today how difficult life is. It doesn't matter the situation and the circumstance that arrives at your doorstep. Let me tell you, whatever that giant you're facing in your life, the church is a stream of refreshing that will provide victory and never defeat. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus said, I'm the living water. Isaiah said, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath, I love this, Nathan, he that hath no money, come ye. The revelator said, and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. See, there's no money involved. It's already been paid for. 
Deuteronomy says, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water. Can I just tell somebody today, if you're looking for something to make a difference in your life, this is a good land. The church is a good place. Start here and see what God will do for you. The psalmist said, my soul thirsts for God. Isaiah said it this way. It says, God will do a new thing. And I believe God's getting ready to do a new thing at new life. Oh, do you believe that with this preacher? That's the reason when you read about David and his army, 200 of them were famished and couldn't go on to the battle. And they sat down by the brook bees over there and waited. And when the battle was over and the victory came to the people of God, the Bible tells us the spoils were brought back and shared with those that were not even on the front line of the battle. What's it saying to you and me today in the church? There's enough for everybody. No, none of us are exempt from the from the powerful blessings that God has for us. John 4 tells the story of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well of Jacob. And he says, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water, he says, that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up in into everlasting life. Oh, when she heard this, uh, it did something. Uh, and she said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Do you understand the church? Uh, the purpose of it is to be that stream uh, that never runs dry in a hurting world, that brings life uh, in a place where there is no life. And all the church said, Amen. I'm going to ask, invite you to stand with me if you would. On Mother's Day, mine and Teresa's oldest daughter, Renee, addressed the church. She spoke to us and told us a story about Death Valley. Most of us would know Death Valley, one of the hottest places in the world. It's a place where life is precious because if precautions not made or taken, it's all over. But she said there's a phenomenon that happens there. You don't know when it's going to happen. And she showed us a picture. Here's Death Valley, this horrible place, this dry, hot desert. And the next picture is this most beautiful flower garden. It goes on forever, on and on and on. She said, this is Death Valley as well. She says, every so often they have there in that valley, and you don't know when it's going to happen, but it's called a super bloom, a super bloom. Life comes to a place where there is none. You, you know, the Bible said we were dead in our sin and trespass, but oh, thank God we've been made alive through him. You know, some of us were like Death Valley. Our lives were like a desert, a desert parched. 
We didn't have any hope for tomorrow that anything would ever change. But oh, thank God, we came in contact with a church and there was a super bloom that took place where it had no business blooming. Is there anybody today that can remember where you were and where you are and how marvelous the miracle is when God saved you? And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.